Welcome to the Legacy Nashville Podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. All right, go with me in the scripture to Mark chapter 1. Grab your Bibles, open it up to Mark chapter 1. Can I tell you as you're finding this something I'm dreaming about? I am dreaming about pastoring a church of people that all bring their physical Bibles to church. I mean, I'm I'm talking like I see you coming through with the bookmarks and the highlighters. Some of y'all just throw it back to trapper keepers. Uh, whatever you got, like I just, I don't know, it just blesses me. Like when I see people walking into church, especially people like a big old Bible, you know what I'm saying? Like one of them family Bibles, like you took that off the mantle, bro. Like you coming in here, man, with a thick Bible, triple C, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. So, all right, Mark chapter one, when you found it, I want to invite you to stand to your feet for the reading of the word. We're going to read Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 8 all together. I have mentioned this to you um, last week. We are in the season of Advent. Does anybody remember what Advent means? The arrival. Advent means the arrival. Uh, it's a traditional celebration of Christmas time. So something that we do to embrace the traditional is that we join a number of historic, orthodox, traditional, liturgical believers in observing the reading of the Sunday passages in the Book of Common Prayer. It's just something that we do as a non-denominational church that I think is super fun because we get to read the same passage of Scripture from the Gospel as millions of other Christians are doing today all over the world throughout the nations and study those same Scriptures together as a broader covenant community. So that's something that we do around here during Christmas time. I don't know if we'll do it next year, but we're doing it this year. And every year, the Sunday passage always delivers to us some very challenging text to preach from for me as your pastor. But it's something I enjoy. Today, the theme of Advent is peace. And that's why we prayed for peace. But when you read the passage of Scripture that we have before us today, you're probably going to scratch your head and say, how do I get peace out of that? I thought the same thing all week in study, but we're going to do our best. Y'all ready? Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. Let's read it together. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him. In the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, 
and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is our passage today, and my title is Messengers of Peace and Fire. Messengers of Peace and Fire. Thank you, Lord, for making us messengers of your great gospel. Lord, we ask today that you would deposit your seed into our spirit and that it would come forth with an abundance of harvest. Father, I ask that you would change the city of Nashville through the obedience of this house. We say yes to you again today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. You can be seated. Give somebody a high five. Tell them you're a messenger. You're a messenger of peace and fire. Amen. Um, as I mentioned today, we are celebrating the theme of peace and there's not a lot to discuss regarding peace from the passage unless you want to hit it from the angle of Jesus being our peace and us repenting of our sin and him giving us grace and mercy and forgiving us of our sin. That is the way to peace. There is only one way to peace. And that is to God through Jesus Christ. It's only by his body and his blood are we able to receive his mercy and the remission of our sins and everlasting life in Christ and Christ alone. So there's my sermon on peace. For the rest of the time, we're going to talk about being messengers because you are a messenger. If you are a Christian, God has called you to be a messenger. God has called you to be an evangelist. God has called you to be a missionary. I know that's kind of controversial when you hear a pastor say that, but if you are a Christian, you are called to share the gospel. Yes. If you are a Christian, you are called to be on mission with Jesus. Every single believer has received the same commandment. And when I say commandment, I mean commission. And that commission is the great commission, which we received from Matthew chapter 28, which calls all of us as disciples of Christ to be missionaries. In one way or the other, all of us are called to be messengers. So one other time, real quick, just look at your neighbor and say, you're a messenger. You're a messenger. You're a messenger. So what are we a messenger of? Well, we are messengers just as Mark was. We are messengers just as John was. And so what I want to do is turn your attention to Mark chapter 1, verse 1, because this is the very first verse in the book of Mark. Now, some of you may know this, but the first gospel that was written from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was the book of Mark. So in the first gospel written, the first book, the first chapter, and the first verse, how Mark begins his gospel is like this, the beginning. Now, I don't know about you, but that reminds me of another first chapter, a first book, and a first verse, which is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. And see, I think Mark is at least somewhat aware of what the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to do, and he is about to share a message to a group of future messengers. Y'all say, that's me. 
And it's important for us to receive it and carry it and share it. So he says, this is the beginning of what? The? 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 Of Jesus? Who is the? Y'all got it. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So one of the words right there that we commonly just kind of blaze through because it's so normative in our lexicon is the word gospel. Now, somebody said the good news, which is exactly what gospel translated means. What is the gospel? It is the good news. What is the good news? Well, part of the good news is that Jesus has advented. Advent has happened. The arrival has taken place. Jesus is here. And today, the good news is Jesus is still here. He is Emmanuel. He is with us. Well, let's break down what the word gospel means. Like I said, we kind of skim over it so often that we neglect what the word means. If you look at it in the Greek, it is a compound word of two Greek words, which is you angelion. Uh, in the first service, I said angelion. And um, Cody, who's in a Greek course right now uh, and is pretty good at Greek, he said it's not angelion. It's angelion. And I said, well, you know me, man. Whenever I interpret both Greek and Hebrew, I like to infuse words that sound like food. <laughs> Just something that I do. If you remember the Hebrew word for vision a few weeks ago, which was Calzone, I said, sounded like calzone, and that sounds delicious to me. So that's how I remember my Greek and my Hebrew. So for me, it is you and jelly on because what makes a biscuit better? You put jelly on it, all right? So this is the way that I remember Greek and Hebrew, but you and jelly on. You and jelly on, right? You means good. Everybody say good. And Y'all got it. Y'all got it. And, and so angelion, angelion means announcement. Everybody say announcement. So this is what the word gospel means. It means good announcement. Good announcement. I know that we say good news and we know what that's about because it's about Jesus. But the word gospel was not an uncommon word in the day of Jesus. They wouldn't have heard that word and immediately thought about what we think about today when we hear the word gospel. We say, oh, the gospel, the good news, it's the story of Jesus. But the gospel was a cultural word, and it was used throughout the Old Testament as well. There is a Hebrew word, which is beser, which is the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament Greek word euangelion, all right? And so beser simply means national news, National news. So anytime uh, a beser or a gospel was given, then it was news of national importance. Israel won a battle. Uh, news was delivered to King David. And a beser went forth that here is the state of the kingdom and here is the state of the king. He's still the king. We won. So that's what a gospel was, a beser. So let me give you a definition. The biblical word gospel then means a good announcement for the whole nation of God's people, and it is a matter of extreme severity and importance. 
So anytime a gospel was delivered in the day of Jesus, it was an important status update that concerned all of God's people and the state of the king and the state of the kingdom. And so that's what Mark is doing here in his book right from the start. We cannot sleep on the details, church. We have to understand that what this gospel writer is doing is telling us that in the beginning of the good announcement of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, here's what's happening and here's what has happened and here is the benefits of it. This is a good announcement. Now, I love the fact that Mark says um, it's not only a good announcement about Jesus. Jesus was actually a common Hebrew name at the time, Yeshua, Joshua, however you want to say that. Uh, But he says, Jesus Christ. So you see, he makes sure that everybody understands. God's people and the world, I have a gospel for you. Jesus, who is the Christ? He is our Savior. He is our prophesied and promised Messiah. He is the one that takes away the sins of the world. He is the one. He is not only Jesus, but Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And if you did not get that, let me just tack on this. The Son of God, that's who he is. This is the good announcement that Mark gives us, and this is the good announcement that we as messengers are called to give the world. We are now those messengers. We are the ones that are called by God to proclaim a good announcement to the world, to declare that Advent has happened, that Jesus has arrived, and he is not just some religious teacher that instructs us in good moral principles for our children, but he is the Messiah. He is the one that was prophesied about for thousands of years who arrived at this time, who gave his life on that cross so that we might be saved from our sins and spend eternity in heaven with him. It is a good announcement. He is the son of God. There is only one way to be saved. Here's the good announcement. That's what Mark is doing, and that's what we're called to do as well. When you just read Mark 1.1 and you skim through it, you think, oh, okay, he's storytelling. No, Mark is teaching theology, and that's what we're called to do as messengers. And just like any good theological teacher, just like any good messenger, we build our messages on Scripture, not on opinion. One of the things I'm convicted about as a pastor is that nobody is transformed by my opinion. A lot of times people will ask me, like, how do you feel about, I'm like, who cares? How do you feel about this hot topic issue? Who cares? Because how I feel about it is not going to transform anybody's soul. I can give you my opinion. You can clip it and tweet it and post it and, you know, even be really mean to me in the DMs. I've been there. I've done that. But who cares about my opinion? What matters is the opinion of God. How do we know what the opinion of God is? We get it from his journal. Right? He self-disclosed through a 66-book love letter for all of humanity. He's told us what he is like. He told us what he likes, what he doesn't like, what grieves him, what blesses him. He's told us that right here. And so as good messengers, we've got to build our messages on the word of God. We've got to build that on scripture. And that's what Mark understands. He says, look, I'm not just giving you guys my own personal perspective and opinion. I'm actually going to refer back to what was prophesied about by two prophets, one Malachi, second Isaiah. 
And, and, and even though he only mentions, Mark only mentions uh, Isaiah here, it's actually both Malachi and Isaiah. And in Malachi 3 and 1, it says, behold, I'm going to send my messenger, a messenger. This is what God does. He sends messengers to prepare the way for the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make, str- make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So Mark is teaching what we're called to teach, which is that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that the Old Testament prophets prophesied about way back when. And there's this guy. He's kind of weird. His name is John. You're going to meet him in a second. And he was the forerunning messenger that they prophesied about as well. Now, I'm sure we could all agree, especially in light of the tragic events that have happened in our city this weekend, that our world, just as in Jesus's day, are in need of a gospel. They are in need, we are in need, I'm not saying us and them, I'm saying all of us together, we are in need of a good announcement. I think we could all agree that our world needs a gospel and not just any old gospel, but the gospel that Jesus, the Savior, has advented. And I don't know that there's a better opportunity for the world to hear the same announcement at the same time than Christmas time. I I don't know that there could be a better moment. All over the world right now, people are celebrating the holidays, Christmas, and what are they hearing? They're hearing the good news. One way or the other, they're hearing the good news. They're hearing a good announcement about the state of the king. Now, I do know that many people are asking, given all that's happening in the world right now, what's God doing There are people who woke up this morning asking, what is the status of God's kingdom? Is he really here? Has he really advented? Is he still here or has he disappeared elsewhere? People are asking these questions. So I believe, I think we could all agree, now is the perfect time for some good news. Now is the perfect time for some good news. And you know what? People are hearing it either directly or indirectly. Um, as I get into the car and the radio comes on, it doesn't matter the radio station. They're all playing Christmas carols right now. And you know what's crazy? A lot of Christmas carols are making a good announcement. They're telling the story of Christ. They're telling the story of Jesus. They're, they're, they're playing the, the gospel message that our Savior, Jesus, has advented. Now, I did hear on the radio, um, was it We Three Kings? Is that what it is? This week, and then in light of last Sunday's sermon, I was like, wasn't three, wasn't three, inaccurate on this carol here. But nonetheless, I do appreciate the message. Definitely more than three. You know, I, I, I do sermon prep from Starbucks pretty often. I like the, you know, movement, a lot of people. And, you know, even, even the Starbucks cup, man, I mean, they're, they're decked out, holiday decor. They got the Christmas trees, and I know they're, you know, a big corporation, and, you know, I can't endorse everything they do. But the point I'm making is that even a Starbucks, even a coffee shop, even a big box store, it's like decked out in holiday decor. You're going to see Christmas trees and Christmas lights and red and green and all that. And they may not have a manger scene set up in the store, but almost everybody knows that Christmas time and Jesus's advent have their obvious associations. 
So there are people who haven't thought about Jesus all year long that are thinking right now about Jesus because they're being confronted by the good announcement of Advent, either directly or in, indirectly, and they are being reminded of the reality of this person, Jesus. That's happening right now. So there's all sorts of messages out there. But my question is, can they adequately make the good announcement? Is that enough for the world? We've got trees, lights, movies, songs. We've got gifts, well wishes. We've got all sorts of messages. But as we read the story of John the Baptist this morning, church, my question is, where's the messengers? Where are the messengers? Surely God can work wonders through small little reminders. But where are the messengers that carry the spiritual fervor and fire and passion like John the Baptist? Where are they at? I'm grateful for the holidays that remind the world. But I pray for more messengers that reveal truth to the world. We need more messengers. And that's what John is. Let's go back and look at this description of John that Mark gives in verse 4 through 6. It says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of, for what? Proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem. Man, this guy was popular. Going out to him, they're getting baptized by him in the river Jordan. And what are they doing? Now, John, this guy's strange, clothed with camel's hair. Man, that does not sound like a comfortable suit to preach in. Camel's hair, you know, got a leather belt tied around his waist. And not only do we get some details about his wardrobe, we get some details about his diet. And this man, he was eating locust and wild honey. I, Lord, please don't sign me up for this ministry. What a wardrobe. What a diet, right? Uh, there may be some prophetic reasons for why John chose to do this. Uh, how many of you remember when Jesus referred to John as Elijah who was to come? Remember that? Jesus said, Elijah has come if you're willing to accept it, referring to John the Baptist. Well, I found this this week in my study, 2 Kings 1 and 8. It's about Elijah. It says, he wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather around his waist, and he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. I think that's very interesting. Because whether John realized it or not, he was fulfilling prophetic promises from Scripture, even down to his dress code. That's wild. So I don't know, I don't know exactly what was happening there. Maybe he was just dressing like his favorite prophet. He was like, hey, I'm really, really inspired by that. And since I really like Elijah, I'm going to dress like my favorite prophet and I'm going to preach wearing the same kind of suit. Preachers still do this today, y'all. I don't know if you know this or not. When I first got into ministry, my goal was to dress like Bishop T.D. Jakes. Every time I preached, I had a three-piece suit on. I did, you know. So maybe that's what John is doing here. Maybe he's like LeBron James, wearing number 23 like the GOAT, Michael Jordan. Maybe he's been inspired. You know what I'm saying, Ben? <laughs> got real quiet. People were like, mm, huh. We're going to go there, huh? I don't want to mess up anybody's holiday season. 
John, I don't know why John uh, dressed as he did uh, and he ate as he did, but nowhere, no, no matter what those reasons were, we can all agree the dude stood out. He stood out. He was unique. He looked different. And you know what, church? It's the same today with the messengers of Jesus. Your dress and your diet can cause you to stand out, especially if you go against the grain of popular culture. And may I suggest when it comes to your dress code and your diet, maybe you should. But that's another sermon. As messengers of the gospel, there are going to be moments when you're going to have to stand alone. Where, where friends may turn their back on you, people might talk about you, people might say mean things about you online, but there are going to be moments as a messenger when you're going to have to trust God and be willing to stand out and stand alone no matter what anybody says. A messenger of the gospel must be prepared for this, and if you're a parent in the room, we need to prepare our children for this to stand up, to stand out, and to stand alone. And that's point one about the messengers of peace and fire. A messenger must be willing and prepared to stand alone. So I want to encourage you, if that's, if that's your portion in this season, be prepared to stand alone. Your faith is personal, but it should not be private. Jesus expects you to be a bold messenger for him. All of us are expected to preach the gospel. Don't just rely on Christmas carols to share the gospel for you this holiday season. Look for the people around you that Jesus has called you to, to, to serve in order for him to save. Look for those people. Share the gospel. Be bold. Share the message of Jesus. Share love with people. Can I tell you this? Invite people to church. This is the one time a year that they are very likely to come with you. You ever heard of CEOs, Christmas and Easter only Christians? They're out there. Listen, they will come with you. How do you know that that is not a date on their life's calendar that God has circled and said, that's the day I'm going to encounter that? Invite them. Get them in here. Get them around the community of God. If you've been neutral on taking your love for Jesus Christ public, Christmas time is, a good, is, a, is as good as any time. Yeah. Go public. Step out. Number two, understand that God prepares messengers in the wilderness. This is something you've got to know as a messenger. You've got to know this as a messenger. God prepares messengers in the wilderness. As a messenger, you're going to have to stand out and stand alone. I want you to know that. The second thing, as a messenger, you will be prepared in wilderness seasons. You will walk through wildernesses. It's the reality. John appears in all places in the wilderness. Somebody's thinking, that's not a very nice Christmas sermon. I don't want to talk about the wilderness on an Advent message. That's not a nice picture. It's not a nice image for me to think about. But you know what? Maybe it is for some of us. Maybe a message on the wilderness is exactly what some of us need to hear this morning. And be encouraged. You know, because 2023 for so many of us has been so difficult. It's been so challenging. It's been so hard. Some of you in 2023, this whole year has just felt like one annual wilderness. If you're here this morning, I, I, I want to I talk to you for a second. Perhaps there's a few of you in here, you're like, man, I'm trying really hard to get into the holiday spirit. I already decorated the tree and I baked cookies, but in my soul, I'm in the wilderness. Like, I'm not good. And, and I don't feel comfortable acknowledging it, but I wonder if I've got some people in the room this morning that are just not feeling so festive. I'm just not there. 
I'm, I'm in the wilderness. And if that's you, I want you to know that God will always prepare messengers in the wilderness. Uh, wilderness seasons are biblical. They are biblical. Let me give you a list. I pulled up a list. Here's a whole list. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. JTB, that's what I call him. That's what I call him. So if you ever see my sermon notes, you ever see JTB, it's John the Baptist. If you ever see TGC, that's the Great Commission or the Great Commandment. You've got to study the context. JTB, my guy was in the wilderness. Jesus came out to the wilderness, which is where he got baptized. Jesus was sent out by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's where he got anointed. In the Old Testament, Abram was sent by God into the wilderness. Moses fled Egypt and went into the wilderness where he was for 40 years. People are like, man, I've been out here long enough. You ain't been out as long as Moses. There are others. Noah, Jacob, the Israelites, Elijah, David, Ezekiel, Amos, Jonah. All of these prophets spent time in the wilderness. In the New Testament, Jesus, John the Baptist, and the Apostle Paul all spent time in the wilderness. I want to say again, messengers, the wilderness seasons are biblical in our lives. They happen. That's where God takes us. And it's not a geographical location. Maybe you need to get out of nature. That's fine. But whenever the Bible talks about wildernesses, it's more than a geographical location. It's a place where Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit will take us. It's a place of purpose for us. It's a place of preparation for us. It's a place where God reveals himself to us. It's a place where God tests us. It's a place where God saves us. It's a place where God convicts us. It's a place where God prepares his messengers wilderness seasons prepare you for your future. So if you're in a wilderness season right now, I want to encourage you, you have been positioned in a place of great purpose. Great purpose. God has drawn you out to prepare you for what's next. You know what I love about the wilderness? Not for me, but for you. No one stays weak in the wilderness. You may start weak, but you don't finish weak. You, you know, you may start real soft, big wimp. But by the time you leave there, you're going to be transformed into a warrior. Let's go. Let's go. That's what I love about wildernesses. The wilderness is where God grows warriors. Who, who, who's walked through a wilderness in here? Man, come on. Yeah, I know. 2023 for me, I'm going to be honest with you. 2023 has probably been one of the tougher wildernesses in, in, in my life, I, I'll be honest. And I have walked through a number of wildernesses in my life. Um, you know the worst kind of wilderness? Man-made wilderness. <laughs> we got some believers like, man, I'm just in the wilderness. God sent me out here by the Spirit. I'm like, no, your disobedience did. Man, the man-made wildernesses, man. You got you to be careful with those. Me and a pastor friend of mine were talking the other day. Things charismatics say. We, we, we said, man, we got to make an Instagram. Because we're always in a wilderness. We're always in a season. We're always in a transition. Worst kind of wilderness, man-made. The wildernesses that you're sent into by the Spirit as a result of your obedience are the wildernesses that are biblical. I remember being in a wilderness one time and I said, God, why am I here? Why? Why do you have me here? I'm mad. I want to be in the land flowing with milk and honey. 
My homies, they're all in there flowing with milk and honey. You ever been there before? You're in the wilderness, you're peeking over the fence. Somebody else is in their promised land. Man, can you throw some butter over here, bro? I'm fasting. Yeah. Can I tell you, if you, were to, if you were able to jump the fence and go into their promised land, it would not be your promised land. Somebody else's is not yours. You've got to walk faithfully through your wilderness in order to get to your promised land because your soul will not be satisfied with somebody else's prophetic word. You've got to get your own. You've got to get your own. So I'm walking. I'm like, Lord, why? Why am I in this wilderness? What have I done? And here's what God said to me. I brought you to break you. I brought you out here to break you out here. And I think that's what God was doing through his messenger, John the Baptist. If you look at verse 4 and 5 here, I've abbreviated it for you. Uh, Mark 1, 4 and 5. John appeared proclaiming a baptism of? For thee? They were all going out and they were doing what? That sounds like brokenness to me. Does that sound like brokenness to you guys? You know, God may break you for a number of reasons, but here's what I've learned. Whenever he starts the breaking, he'll usually start with your sin. By convicting you. Things that you didn't even, you didn't even think about before. But if you find yourself in a wilderness season, I want to encourage you, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit convict you of sin and be obedient to Christ and repent of your sin. Maybe you're not in active sin, and that's okay. I'm not saying that you have to be in order to be in a wilderness, but maybe you are, and maybe you don't know it because you've not stopped long enough to realize that you've become too comfortable with compromise. Maybe God has brought you out and brought you away from all of the distractions so that you can stop overlooking your convictions. It's just a possibility. You know, I hear that when you join the military, you come out of basic training really tough. I confirmed this with one of our security guys, so I know it's true. You come out of basic training much stronger than when you went in. The wilderness is the same. You'll come out stronger, but you know what? Before you get tougher, the program is designed to break you, to break you. God told me one time, break easy, break off, and break in public. Break easy, break often, break in public. The surefire way to prolong your wilderness is to resist your brokenness. That's how you get out. You say, okay, here I am, Lord. Break me, shape me, remake me. Whatever you want to do with me in this season, I'm all in. I say yes and amen. I'm not going to resist what you're doing. I say yes and amen. Prepare me for what's next. The wilderness is where God investigates you. He changes you forever. It's where your past and your old patterns of thinking are all washed away and you are prepared for your good future. All right, let me give you the third one. The the first one is, y'all remember the first one? I love Peter. He's locked in, literally. You got to be willing to stand alone. Number two, tell him again. Who's taking notes? God prepares messengers in the wilderness. All right, here's number three. Messengers preach the message. You're like, well, well, yeah, I mean, obviously. Well, yeah, but we'll say, amen, I'm a messenger, but won't preach. You can't just carry a word. You've got to preach the word. 
Come on, who am I talking to this morning? This is where John the Baptist said, uh, after me comes one who's mightier than I, who's strapped uh, of the sandals. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I've been, I've been baptizing you guys with water, but you know what? He's coming and he's going to baptize you with the Spirit. John was a messenger of peace and fire. Messengers share messages. They don't just carry a word, they preach a word. Messengers don't just possess a message, they present a message. Saints, don't die with the message in you. Preach the message, speak up, speak out, share the message. This is who God has called you to be, messengers. Now, if you look at the way in which John the Baptist presented his message, I think that we could all be inspired as to the type of messengers God likes. All right, check this out. Here's a few things that marked the messenger that was John the Baptist. Number one is that messengers co-labor with the Holy Spirit. It's not all on you. It's not all about you. You're co-laboring actively with the Holy Spirit. So we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're obedient to the Holy Spirit. We're doing the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. The second thing is that messengers are marked by humility. Being the messenger does not mean that we're that important. We're just doing our part to introduce them to him. Marked by humility. John knew who he was. He didn't believe his own hype. He said, man, who I'm preaching about, the strap of his sandals, I'm not worthy to stoop down and tie. And, and the third thing was, is he always pointed people to Jesus. After me comes he who's mightier than I. A real messenger doesn't point people to themselves. A real messenger points people to Jesus. A real messenger doesn't point people to their website. Point, points them to Jesus. I don't have a problem with websites, but you get the point. It's like at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. That is who we are pointing to. We are now these messengers of peace and fire. And so I want to encourage you today, church. I know it's Advent season. We're decorating the tree. We're making cinnamon rolls. I'll give you the address of the office if you want to drop me off some. I saw some blueberry rolls on TikTok recently, and I was like, dang, I'm making those over Christmas break. I'll post the recipe. In the midst of us doing this, guys, enjoying our children, enjoying our community, enjoying the gifts, enjoying the shopping, everything we do, all, all that stuff is, is beautiful. I, I don't want you to neglect the reality of who you are in Christ as a messenger of his. You're a messenger. God has put his word on your lips, and that's a privilege. You're privileged to be able to say the name of Jesus. You're privileged to be able to share the word of God. You're privileged to be able to possess the message of Advent, the good announcement, the arrival. Jesus is here, and Jesus is the only way to God. Let's stand. I want to pray for you. Jesus, we adore you. It's our privilege to adore you as humanity has for over 2,000 years. You've done it. You've conquered death, hell and the grave through the cross of Calvary, and we are grateful. We are grateful. You've shown yourself trustworthy, Jesus, and we say we trust you. 
We'll follow you wherever it is that you would have us to go. If you want us to stand out, God, we'll stand out. If you want us to go with you into the wilderness, God, we'll go with you into the wilderness. And if you want us to step up and to speak your word, we say today, God, fill us with your spirit and send us with your word. We will speak. We'll not be stagnant. We'll not be silent. But we will be a surrendered people. And we receive your word today, and we place all of our trust and all of our hope in you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. We'll have some prayer warriors up here ready to serve you. If you need prayer, if you're in that wilderness season right now, come up and get prayer. Don't leave the sanctuary without getting prayer. Come get prayer. Let us pray for you. We want to pray for you. We will put some more information back on the screen, if you guys don't mind, for uh, how you can reach out or how you can give to uh, those who have been disrupted victims of this tragedy and if you want to serve just watch our social media and our newsletter we're going to get some stuff out to you we love you so much please find a few people around you if you don't know them introduce yourself give them a hug give them a high five something we are covenant community we love you legacy love you tuning into the legacy nashville podcast if you'd like to support the ministry you can do so at legacynashville.org forward slash give If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.